in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. We'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Skip a, a few verses down to 12 through 22. word of our Lord from the epistle says, Brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas, that is Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all of the apostles. Then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Now if Christ has preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you remain in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is indeed risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate with joy this day of the Lord's resurrection may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Make no mistake, if He rose at all, it was as His body. If the cell's dissolution did not reverse, the molecules re-knit, the amino acids rekindle, the church will fall. It was not as the flowers each soft spring recurrent. It was not as His spirit in the mouths and fuddled eyes of the eleven apostles. 
It was as His flesh, ours. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced, died, withered, paused, and then regathered out of enduring might, new strength to enclose. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted on the faded credulity of earlier ages. Let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not paper mache, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for each of us the wide light of day. And if we'll have an angel at the tomb, make it a real angel, weighty with Max Planck's quanta, vivid with hair, opaque in the dawn light, robed in real linen spun on a definite loom. Let us not seek to make it less monstrous for our own convenience, our own sense of beauty, lest awakened in one unthinkable hour, we are embarrassed by the miracle and crushed by remonstrance. John Updike wrote those words and he called them seven stanzas at Easter. The fact is, the church has always declared the New Testament proclaims to us that He is indeed risen. Christ who died a real death, lives in real resurrection. The fact is, He is risen. The church declares He is risen indeed. For centuries, this has been our faith. For centuries, we have declared that this is the, the, the cornerstone of the gospel itself. He is risen. And if Jesus resurrected... We must be honest with ourselves. The impossible has happened. Dead people don't come back to life. If Jesus is resurrected, all bets are off. The impossible has happened. What simply doesn't happen has indeed happened. What do we mean by resurrection? What was it that the early church believed about it? Well, they believed in a real resurrection. That Jesus' soul was re-knit to His body and His body was glorified and came out of the tomb. Sure, His body was different. He was able to walk through walls. You could lock the door on him and suddenly he would appear in the room. But it was his same body. And it was a physical body for he cooked food and he even ate food. We're not talking about some just spiritual existence beyond the grave. We're talking about resurrection. The hope of Easter, in fact the hope of the Gospel itself, is about resurrection. It's not about immortality. It's not about just existing beyond death. It is about being resurrected. And Paul says, if that is completely and utterly impossible, if the dead do not rise, 
then how can we proclaim that Christ is risen? We can't just proclaim it in some theological sense. As if it's an inspirational thought for us to get through the day. It is the hope of the Gospel. Paul says without it we have no Gospel. In fact, without it, we have lied about God. We have met, misrepresent, misrepresented the facts. He says the good news itself, the Gospel, rests upon the resurrection of Jesus. If Christ is not raised, then our preaching is empty and your faith is worthless because you've believed a lie. If Jesus is resurrected, all bets are off. If Jesus is resurrected, though, our faith is substantiated. Paul says, look, I'm not misrepresenting the facts here. If He is not risen, we have lied and you've fallen for it. But notice that for Paul, faith is rooted and grounded upon evidence. He, he lists for them several bits of eyewitness testimony He forms it almost as a creedal statement, a creed. He says, look, I'm giving to you what I've received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. But then He goes into some eyewitness testimony. He was seen by Peter and He was seen by the twelve disciples. After that, he was seen by over 500 disciples at once. He says most of them are still living, though some have died. He was then seen by James and by all of the apostles. And he says he was seen by me. He came to me. He appeared to me. The resurrected Lord. Luke gives us another eyewitness uh, account of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who walked and talked with Jesus. He opened up the Scriptures to them. He told them of those things that the prophets had said would happen to the Messiah. And then when He broke bread, again, physically broke bread, it occurred to them, wait a minute, and He was gone. A changed body? Yes. A glorified body? Yes. But a body, nonetheless. His body was not in the tomb. He appeared. He ate. He talked. He drank. He cooked. He walked. Our faith is not vain and wishful thinking. Paul says, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then okay, our faith is, is just hopeful. Big deal. You can have your faith and I can have mine. And we can all get along together. But if Christ 
has risen from the dead, the impossible has happened, and our faith is in an historical event. It's not in some story or some metaphor. It is in the reality that on the third day, Christ rose from the dead. If, if Jesus resurrected, our faith is substantiated, but also sin is atoned. He tells them this in a negative fashion. He says, if he has not risen, your faith is pointless because our preaching is pointless. You've believed a lie. And you remain in your sins. So the converse of that is true. If he is resurrected, then sin has been atoned. In fact, he goes on, he kind of doubles down on, on, on this, this talk because later on in the chapter, in verse 34, he says, what follows is that we ought to stop sinning because sin has been defeated. Amen. He says, you are not in your sins. If Jesus is Lord, and that is attested to in His resurrection, then He has authority both to forgive sins, but also the ability to redeem them. And so Paul would have us believe that the acts of sin have been forgiven. That the power of sin has been broken. That the heart of sin can be cleansed and that the nature of sin can be recreated. Paul believes that because Christ has risen from the dead, life has, has been changed. Our assumptions about things have been turned upside down. We're no longer bound by sin. To remain in sin for Paul is to be a, a, a prisoner who's still sitting in his cell and the cell's wide open. And Paul says, get up and get out. You've been set free. For Paul, the entire gospel rests upon the resurrection. It's not some capstone. It's not the last little bit. It's not the, the third point. It's the whole thing. Either he was raised or he wasn't. If he wasn't, the church has been lying to you for 2,000 years. Because the church for 2,000 years has believed that He resurrected. If Jesus resurrected, faith is substantiated. Sin is atoned. And death is killed. He goes on. He quotes the prophet Isaiah in saying that death is swallowed up in victory. He quotes the prophet Hosea in saying, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Death was once the bookend of life. It was life's final chapter. It was that finish, the end. But it has now been transformed into what C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia at the very bitter end tough paragraph to get to and, and to get through. He says that 
This whole world has been transformed, not into the bookend, not into the final chapter, but it's been turned into the the cover of the book and just the title page. And that the story goes on and it has no ending. Not because, not because, oh, we will live forever. Not because of immortality, but because Jesus was raised from the dead. You could probably make the case that your soul is immortal anyhow. So what difference does it make if there's a resurrection? Well, the difference is that God created this world. And He will redeem it fully. God created your bodies. They are not worthless and to be cast off. They are to be redeemed and resurrected. Death is not now our friend. Paul makes it very plain. Death is the last enemy to be defeated. So it is not as though we approach death with joy and gladness because we get to live forever. No, it is still an enemy. It is still to be defeated. But it has been defeated. The return of Christ declares to us that the dead too will be raised We shall be changed, Paul says. We will not become something else. We will become a glorified us. You will still be you and I will still be me. We do not get absorbed into the divine. We get resurrected. Death has been killed. That last enemy that is so bitter, that is so dark, has been destroyed. It has been shattered by the light of Christ's resurrection. The one who in the beginning said on that first day, let there be light, and then rested on the seventh day, was crucified on the sixth day, Good Friday, rested in a tomb, On the seventh day, the Sabbath, and he rose again and declared himself to be the light of the world, the light that shatters the darkness. If Jesus resurrected, the impossible has happened. And we declare he is risen. Before we pray, I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to do something a little unusual probably for most of you on an Easter Sunday. For almost 16, almost 1600 years, this has been a, a bit of a tradition to stand for the reading of what's called the, the Paschal Liturgy, 
or the Easter liturgy. It was written by John Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers. And it is perhaps the most beautiful piece of literature, beautiful piece of liturgy that the church has ever penned. If anyone is devout and a lover of God, let him enjoy this beautiful and radiant festival. If anyone is a grateful servant, let him rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied himself in fasting, let him now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from the first hour, let him today receive the just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour with thanksgiving, let him feast. If anyone has arrived at the sixth hour, let him have no misgivings, for he shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let him draw near without hesitation. If anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let him not fear on account of tardiness. For the master is gracious and receives the last even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who labored from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord. And whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with another, dance for joy. O you ascetics and you negligent, celebrate this day. You that have fasted and you that have disregarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden. Feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted. Let no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for pardon has dawned from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it. He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. Anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was abolished. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was purged. It was embittered, for it was despoiled. It was embittered, for it was bound in chains. It took a a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw, but it crumbled before what it had not seen. O death, where is thy sting? O Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen, and you are overthrown. Christ is risen, and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life reigns. Christ is risen, and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ, being raised from the dead, has become the firstfruits of them that have slept. To Him be glory and might unto the ages. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in You this day. We declare hallelujah. He is risen from the dead. 
Hallelujah, we have been redeemed. Hallelujah, He lives forevermore and we shall reign with Him. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this rejoicing. We thank You for this time together where we celebrate our Lord's risenness. And we pray that as we go as Your people, that we would go and be risen to newness of life. That we would live victoriously. That we would proclaim boldly and proudly that He is indeed risen. That the grave could not hold Him. Death could not defeat Him. Sin could not contain Him. He is the light of the world. And we pray this in His name. Amen. Thank you.